on Before the Bestseller, we talk with our favorite authors about the books they wrote and the stories behind how those books made it big. I'm your host, Alex Straffy, and it's an absolute pleasure to have you here today. Odds are that you've seen at least one piece of content, whether on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or TikTok, that this next guest has created. And that's because Brendan and his team have wrecked up an impressive 60 billion views and 100 plus million followers for the content that they've worked on. Basically, if social media was a science, maybe it is. Brendan Kane would be the lead scientist. He helped Taylor Swift rebrand her digital experience for fans. His list of clients include Rihanna, MTV, the NHL, and many, many more impressive names. He's also the author of best-selling book, One Million Followers, his most recent best-selling book, Hookpoint. Today, he's here to walk us through what his author journey has looked like from no-name entrepreneur to world-famous author. Brendan Kane, this is incredibly exciting. Hopefully we can produce some good content because that is the name of the game uh, for, for everything you do. I'm excited to talk to you about the different ways to do that. But first of all, yeah, just thank you so much for being here. Yeah, it's a true pleasure to connect with you, uh, Alex, and also all the people tuning into this. Yeah. So first thing I always like to ask the author is a childhood story that made you who you are today. Okay. Um, I mean, there's so many... <laughs> There's so many I can choose from. I would say probably the most interesting one, and it's not even like a childhood. It was in the birthing process. So I got stuck in the birth canal for over an hour. And uh, what I've recently found out from some neuroscientists I'm working with out of London is both my autonomic nervous system and my brain's nervous system thought I was dying. So I came into the world in a state of fight or flight. So my entire life, I've seen the world in a state of fight or flight. So that's pretty much has shaped everything um, of how I perceive the world. Wow. I was recently, I can't remember which book it was reading recently, but it talked about how oftentimes that can, I think it was the Sedona method. I don't know if you've ever heard of that one, but it talks about the trauma that can actually carry on through, through the rest of your life, just simply from birthing. Um, so that's fascinating, but it makes sense. And clearly it's worked out for you. Hopefully you haven't felt too many negative experiences throughout your life because of it. But uh, jumping into the name of the book, we have 1 million followers here. Uh, and then we're going to touch on Hookpoint as well. Hookpoint's a chapter within that book. But the first question, million followers on Facebook in 30 days, how did you do it? Yeah. I mean, first to set the stage is some people read that title and they're like, oh, well, they just did it once. Uh, so our team collectively, we've generated 60 billion views organically and 100 million followers for our clients. Uh, but to answer your, your question directly is it wasn't like I just woke up one morning and said, Hey, I'm going to see if I can do this. You know, I had spent about three and a half years designing these systems of testing content. Um, because the reality of the situation is followers success on social is content. It's you, you can't win without it. So I, I spent about three, three and a half years testing content for others. So brands, corporations, uh, professional athletes, journalists, celebrities. So I probably had tested over 100,000 variations of content over that time period. And through that, I learned a lot 
about what did it really take to get somebody to perform a specific action. So with my clients, it wasn't always about followers. Sometimes it was clicks, leads, sales, um, shares, awareness. But then, you know, some like action sports athletes I were working with, it was about followers because that's really how they generate most of their revenue today. Uh, so I kind of saw that I could do it. But the first step that I took was I called the person that introduced us, Bill Gladstone. And I was like, listen, I got this idea of doing this. Do you think this is a strong enough hook point that you would sign me as a client and get me a publishing deal? And he said, yes. And then I wanted to test it further. So I asked marketing experts that really know marketing really well, because I wanted to make sure it could hold true for people that really know their stuff. And they thought it was interesting as well. So basically... Uh, what I did um, specifically, and we've designed different systems and those systems have evolved over the years, but specifically when I did a million followers on, on Facebook, what I saw was is Facebook, if you push content out through your page, there's a share feature and that share feature creates exponential growth. So I leveraged um, the Facebook advertising platform as a market research tool not as a media buying tool so that I could seed content out to specific audiences that had no idea who I was. And I was measuring two things. I was measuring, did it get them interested in clicking the follow button? But more importantly, did it get them interested enough that they were willing to share that content out to the people that they knew so that it could give me that, that, that market research, that granular insight that could tell me what content I should be producing to drive those results. So I tested about 5,000 variations of content in 30 days in order to hit that million followers. It was about, out of those 5,000, I think it was like 30 to 50 that really worked. And then the exponential growth happened that way. Uh, but when I did a million followers on Instagram, I had to devise a new system um, because Instagram is not really about sharing. It's not, do they have a share button? Yes, but it's not like you share and then it gets pushed to your profile so everybody else can see it. So what we did is I found um, partner accounts that had large followings and I would test content on their accounts. I, in the same way I was testing it uh, from a market research perspective with um, Facebook. So again, I was testing hooks and content to see if this large account posted my video, did it, excite somebody enough to say, I, you know what, that video is amazing. I need to go and follow that account. So that's kind of those two processes. And then uh, we can get into it when you want it. We, we over the past you know, seven years, we've developed a, a viral content engineering process because most people think um, virality is luck. It's not, it's engineered. And through that process, that's where we, we drive massive growth um, for the projects we worked on to generate 60 billion views and hundred million followers. Cause again, it comes down to, to the content. Yeah. And going back to it, you know, you talk about it's not luck. It's a proven system. I have to say for those of you that want to learn more about what that system is Brendan's Facebook page is a gold mine right now. He's reviewing all these TikTok videos. I think it's mainly TikTok videos of how exactly they were able to, you know, grow up, blow up into the million or more likes, watches, whatever. And you give a specific breakdown at the end of the video. And I, I just think it's fantastic because it's it's just example after example of breaking down exactly what that whole point is. Going back to what is it about social media? I mean, you've been in this industry since, from what I can understand from my research, from the beginning, right? Like you went to uh, your first job out of school was doing digital marketing. 
and then you know you ended up transitioning into doing your own work. Why social media? Why why has this become you know who Brendan Kane is? Why do you care so much about social media? Well, it's interesting. I didn't set out to do social media, so I, I wanted to be a film producer, and I showed up at film school hoping that they would teach me about business so that I could apply it because producing is about the business side of the entertainment industry. Quickly realized it didn't teach you anything about business in film school, so I figured well, I need to learn about business. I need to know what it, what it's about. So I figured the best way to do it was to start my own businesses. And the most cost-efficient way at the time was starting online companies. So while I was going to college, I started, and it, they weren't social media companies. They were just purely digital companies. Um, but it taught me a lot about how the internet worked, how traffic worked, how um, people consumed content. So when I showed up to Los Angeles in 2005 to pursue a career in film, like everybody, I had to start at the bottom. I had to make coffee, copies, deliveries. And when people asked me, well, why did you move to LA? They, I would tell them I wanted to be a film producer and I could see everybody's eyes glaze over because I was one of a million. And, and when you want to stand out at the highest levels, you have to really identify what is that key you know, pain point that you're solving? What is your hook point? So I took a step back and realized that every time we finished a film, there was a, a tremendous amount of uh, tension and stress and anxiety because we spent tens of millions of dollars to produce a single piece of content that we needed hundreds of millions of people around the world to know about in a matter of months. We didn't have years. We didn't have decades to do it. So I just started going to the directors and the producers and the studio executives and said, hey, I know how to tap into these traffic sources online for a fraction of the cost that we're paying for TV, print, and radio, and in some cases, no cost at all, would that be helpful to you? And they said, yes, because like digital was starting to come back after the dot-com bust, and the real smart people are always looking for answers. They're always looking for help. And as they started saying, yes, I needed to find different ways of doing it, and social media was just coming on the scene. So for example, I did the first ever influencer campaign on YouTube in like 2006, 2007, before it was even called an influencer for uh, an action movie with Jason Statham called Crank, um, because it was a smaller film. It was like a $12 million budget, which seems like a lot, but like a normal Jason Statham film today is 100, 150 million. Uh, and we had a you know very little uh, marketing budget. So I started tapping into social from that. And I just saw that there was more opportunity with it. Cause I'm, I'm an entrepreneur at heart and I was getting bored sitting in the studios because you spend more time asking for permission than actually doing things. And I just saw, I, I, I can even remember the exact moment that I made the decision. Listen, I do love movies, but digital and social, it just, it's a better fit for me. And I think that there's going to be a lot of growth there. And then from there, I just kept going. Yeah. You, you identified that this was an emerging market and you're able to bring it into a very traditional industry. And from there, it seems like it's just worked out so well for you. I know when you grew that Facebook page, going back to, you know, when you had Bill Gladstone signed on as your agent, you had to find a million followers. And I know you said you have 5,000 variations. I think you, you have a, a system in your book for, you know, you don't need to come up with 5,000 specific pieces of content. It's just little variations on each thing. Quote, quotes and photos, I believe, are it was like one of your favorite things to, to do. Is that still a favorite of yours? Uh, do you still see that working? Uh, and you know, any advice there for, for people who are starting out? Would you still recommend quotes and photos? Yeah, for people starting out, I wouldn't recommend it. Um, so like there's been a 
And I think it's helpful to set the stage of where social media is at today. Yeah. I so when that. I first start, when I first started, I remember when MySpace hit its first million users, mm. like that was a big thing. You fast forward today, there's 4 billion people on social media pushing 200 billion messages into the world. Yeah. So there's far more content on these platforms. And especially, you know, there's a big distinction between organic and paid. Well, let's, let's just start with organic. Um, organic, you have to play to what the algorithms want. And there's a lot of demonization. There's a lot of misinformation about algorithms. The biggest one is it's pay to play. That's inherently false. If that was false, nobody would ever go viral. It just, it would never happen. The algorithms have fundamentally one goal and one goal only, and that's retention. The longer people spend on these platforms, the more ads they can serve, the more profit they, they generate. So what are they going to look for? They're going to look for content that holds attention for as long as possible. And they're going to prioritize the content that could hold that attention to the widest possible audience. So that's really the fundamental understanding that you need to know in going into creating content. So quotes can work today, but in a different context. Like I'm not sure if you're familiar, there's an Instagram account called dude with sign. He took quotes and put it into the real world. Um, and it worked, but you, you've got to, you know, fundamentally design content that is first going to stop the scroll. Because if you can't stop the scroll, that's the first signal to the algorithm. You can't hold attention because nobody's stopping to look at your stuff, but then how can you hold that attention as long as possible? It can be done with images, like Dude with Sign is one example. Um, Humans of New York, this this um, photographer that takes um, portraits of random people on New York, but then tells the the background story of who these people are um, that holds that attention. There's another guy named Kirby Jenner that photoshops himself into Kendall Jenner photos. Um, so I'm not saying image can't work, but if you're going to do it, if you're going to do any type of content, it really needs to grab that attention and hold that attention. A lot of our work today is really focused on video because that's where a lot of the prioritization of these platforms have gone. Because again, 99% of the time, a video is going to hold attention longer than an image. So that's where a lot of our focus is today. But you can make anything work if, again, it's really holding that attention for a long period of time. So prioritizing videos, uh, but regardless, just finding content that's going to hold attention, stop the scroll, and then keep people, go keep people going. One of the first you know, landmark clients you had, Taylor Swift, right? You were able to create an application that turned people's Facebook pages into basically a replica replication of her website. How did you get Taylor Swift as a client? Yeah, it's a great question. So it starts with, again, a hook point. So I was um, sitting in the first studio I was working for. I was working on movies, but I was getting bored. And all of a sudden, um, MySpace got acquired by Fox Interactive. And I was like, and at the time it was like, I think it was like $580 million. And I was like, okay, if they got acquired for that much, how are they going to monetize their network? Because at the time they were running banner ads and their CPMs, their cost per thousand impressions were super low. So I started doing an analysis on that platform and I started realizing people were putting movie trailers, Nike posters, Prada posters on their pages. And that's the most valuable form of advertising. It's a friend telling a friend, check this out. And again, at the time there wasn't such thing as an influencer. So you could see that there was these people that had influence with their friends, what you would call a micro influencer today that were advertising these products. So I said, well, why not turn that into an advertising platform? So I turned that into an advertising platform and I took it around to several corporations and I ended up licensing it to MTV. 
And what we initially found out is that the, it was too early because the influencer just wasn't there. So I started building a separate platform that was a, a technology that could dynamically write code for you. Kind of like what Squarespace and Wix is today, but on an enterprise level. And um, it was either before them or at the same time that those were launching. And I took it back to the executive. I did the deal with it on TV. And I said, uh, I know you're trying to uh, create stronger relationships with the celebrities you work with. Because at the time, MTV would just put them on television. They would become huge superstars. And they wouldn't share in any of the upside of that growth. Uh, so uh, I brought that technology to them. And they said, the executive said, okay, cool. Do you want to go meet this girl, Taylor Swift? And at the time, honestly, I had no idea who she was because she wasn't a global superstar at the time. She was kind of on that inflection point. And uh, then, you know, the series of meetings that I had to go through to get to her eventually kind of proceeded. So that's how it initially started. Gotcha. Yeah. And one of the things you talk about there is the partnerships. And you do such a great job of breaking down in the book. For those of you that are listening, again, I'm a huge fan of case studies. I think that's where you learn the best is from seeing people who have actually done things successfully. And Brendan breaks down exactly how like YouTube made it big because they had embed code that was put on MySpace pages. Uh, or Shazam uh, had a partnership with AT&T, which allowed them to make revenue in the early days. Uh, these kinds of partnerships, which it sounds like it was a partnership that really brought you into you know, the, the Taylor Swift con- uh, account, they work so well. If you want to hear more about those, read those case studies. Brendan has those in the book. I want to, uh, I know we're, we're coming on to the end of, of really talking about the content of the books, but first I would like to, or as we come into the, the final runway here, what I really want to ask is for each of these platforms, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, can you give a quick update? What is April 29th, you know, 2022, what's working right now on each of those platforms real quick? That's a very difficult question to answer. <laughs> answer that. Answer that in thirty so, seconds. <laughs> okay, and thirty seconds holding attention. Yeah, that's what's yeah. working. There's so much nuance in that, and that's why our viral content engineering process everything starts with research, identifying the performance drivers that make people go viral and the yeah. performance drivers that detract from virality. But to simplify it, can you grab attention and hold attention? And that works on every platform. Perfect. Yeah. TikTok marketing, Gary Vee is pushing everyone to get on the platform now. Do you see this? Do you see it as that same golden opportunity where it's, you know, 20 years from now, your mom and dad, or 10 years from now, your mom and dad are going to be on TikTok? Do you see it as the same sort of situation as Facebook? Uh, that's a difficult question to answer. Is there an opportunity for TikTok today? Yes. Does it, is it the right fit for everybody? No. Is it the okay. most valuable platform? No. Uh, Will it be Facebook? My bet would be no. Uh, because the thing that people don't give Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook credit for is their their relentlessness to innovate, the relentlessness to get better mm. and better. And TikTok's smart. They've done smart things, but I haven't seen that ability to really diversify. Like the biggest change that they made is they just pushed their videos to 10 minutes, which in reality, you know, Instagram tried to do that with IGTV. It's a bit of a lazy tactic. Um, it's just really going to be how they effectively innovate their platform. Uh, yeah. It's not like TikTok's going to die tomorrow or a year from now, but to be Facebook uh, is a different thing. You know, Facebook is inter- intertwined into people's relationships. It's a communication platform. That's why they bought WhatsApp. That's why they split out Messenger. They acquired Instagram as they're looking at the holistic picture of what it means to connect with people in a social environment.
you see that ecosystem staying around for quite some time. It sounds like a hundred percent. Yeah. And, yeah. and also is like Zuckerberg is investing $10 billion a year into the metaverse. He's looking into the future. So if I had to bet on anybody, it would be on meta, which is now includes Facebook, um, WhatsApp messenger and Instagram. Yeah. If there's one bit of advice here that I hear from you over and over again, over the past 20 minutes, it's just getting attention. You break that down in your newest book, Hook Point. You have a chapter of it in 1 million followers. So what is a hook point and how can people use that for their content? Yeah. So a hook point is really a, you know, there's three core pillars to a hook point. There's the first one is grabbing attention because if you don't grab attention, you get lost in all the noise of the 200 billion messages. But then you need to hold that attention because attention without substance doesn't mean anything. And then third, you have to monetize that attention because if it's not playing to you under your, your fundamental business goals, it's not going to help you grow. You'll get burnt out or it's just, why are you doing it? And when I say monetize, that doesn't mean each piece of content you're selling something, but you know, you need to have a fundamental business strategy, even for nonprofits, you need to collect donations and things of that nature. So a hook point is those three key pillars. Now, the way that you can express that hook point is many different ways. Yes, you can do it on social media to reach the masses, but we use hook points for emails. We use for, you know, cold outreach through email, through LinkedIn, getting meetings, you know, getting people to jump on the phone with you. It's, it's really a lens of how to view the world and how to contextualize who you are in a certain way that people will listen to you long enough that you can get your value across. Cause again, like our work is, is we never change who somebody is. We never change their product, what they stand for. We change the way that they contextualize it, the way that they distribute it, the way that they show it, because there's just so many brilliant people in the world. that are just not getting the attention that they deserve. And it's because they're not packaging it in a way that can really stand out to grab that attention, hold that attention long enough that, that they can then turn that into their business goals. For those of you that want examples of this, yeah, go to Brennan Kane's Facebook page because there's some phenomenal breakdowns there of people using hook points. What is your favorite? Last final question. What is your favorite nonfiction book? Nonfiction book? Nonfiction book. Um, it's a good question because I don't read a lot of nonfiction. You like fiction? Uh, oh, yeah. I would say for nonfiction, how to win friends and influence people. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, my head was going to fiction first. I was like, God, do I read any fiction? Um, but yeah, I would say my favorite nonfiction book of all time is how to win friends and influence people. Wonderful. You know, from, yeah. from the information all the way to the way it's written. Yeah. Brendan Kane, the book is 1 million followers and check out his latest book, Hook Point. Anywhere else people can go to get more about you, Brendan? Yeah, they can go to hookpoint.com um, where we dive into our methodology a little bit deeper if they want to get the books. Uh, they're anywhere books are sold or you can go to book.1millionfollowers.com or book.hookpoint.com and there's add-ons and things that you can get with the book. Thanks for your time. Uh, for those of you listening, next time we're going to bring Brendan back on, talk all about the marketing and how he's been able to get accomplished feats like having a th over a thousand reviews on Amazon. Uh, you know, I'm not quite sure how many copies you've sold, but it's got to be in the hundreds of thousands. I'm excited to, to talk with you again, Brendan. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. I know there's many other things you could have been doing during this time, and I hope you found this episode incredibly useful for you and your journey. And if you did, or if you have any feedback, I would love to hear that in a review 
on Apple, that would be fantastic or anywhere else that you are listening to this show. So thank you. And if you're the type of listener that is also an author or looking to be an author soon, feel free to email me at alex at advancedamazonads.com. That's alex at advancedamazonads.com. And I'll add you to our weekly newsletter where I send out all of the best marketing tips I've ever heard from authors that I've had on this show and many of the authors that we work with. So I look forward to hearing from you if that's something you'd find useful. And either way, I look forward to having you back for our next episode.